Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Catfish Corner. We're back in uh, Smashville. Uh, the Pred, the Preds are back in Smashville, and uh, Paul Scarbina, beat writer for the Tennessee, and is also back in Smashville. And you guys will be able to hear me better this time since we won't be on an echoey phone from well, some arena somewhere. Well, they they survived the longest road trip of the season, uh, six games in a row. Well, though they did get to come home briefly uh, before the last one, and and they got some points. They did. I think the road trip overall is, is a success from a point standpoint. They've had some stinkers in there. I think Detroit was one of them, and um, Columbia, or, uh, Carolina wasn't a great game for them. And I also should say now, since we, you know, we're in this business of teasing things, that we're going to have a player appearance during this episode. Uh, I talked to Pecorine today. Not a lot about hockey, a little bit about hockey, but some fun questions with him, which is a, a segment that we're going to try to do every every week on the podcast is, is talk to a player or somebody associated with the team. So that'll be coming up a little bit later. Um, it's about I talked to him for about five minutes from everything from has he ever gotten into a fight to whose funniest teammates are and what his goals in life are. And he gave me a really good answer. Um, I asked him about uh, the best advice he ever got. And um, he said some surprising things to me. Um, believe it or not, Pecorino used to be lazy. And we learned about his dad, too. So anyway, that'll be coming up a little bit later, and I wanted to make sure that you guys knew that that was coming. But yeah, the, as, of, as of now, the Predators should be happy with the road trip. Um, you know, they're, they're, getting, they're getting guys back, as we've been talking about over and over and over again. Um, and one of the, you know, that top line being back together, Philip Forsberg is um, a magician with a hockey stick. And his, you know, him and Victor Arvidsson coming back to that top line has really put a spark back into the offensive game. Um and, you know, here we go now before the before the break coming up here. We got uh, the Capitals, which they were recording this on Tuesday, and another big game against Winnipeg on Thursday. And then I think they play one more at home Saturday, two on the road, and then they're off for a while. So this is an important stretch of the season for them as, as we look at it. And we can, we can examine some of the things that are going to happen, some of the things that have gone well, and some of the things that maybe haven't gone well. And um, the lines are coming together. Uh, the lines are forming, and, and Nashville is now putting together more of its best combinations on the ice. Well, that just that's natural when you have your your star players come back. That things are going to get better, and th- and that kind of leads me to we you know we talked about the trade deadline coming up at, at the end of February. Um, you know there are always rumors, which I don't deal a lot in because I'm just you know I, I kind of tend to. I'm going to wait to see what really happens instead of speculating about what might happen. But 
you know, there there are names out there. They're the Wayne Simmons of the world that, that, that are on everybody's uh, everybody's eye. You know, that every contender's eye is on. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I thought about this for a little while, and, and I think the Predators, their trade deadline move is getting all their guys healthy again. I think they're they're getting a Victor Arvidsson and a Philip Forsberg and, and a Colton Sissons and and all these guys healthy again is better than any move they can make. And the, and the other thing is, you know, as I've written about and we've talked about, the Predators don't have a lot to give up to go to to, to mortgage their future for a rental player now. Um, you, you know, their, their system isn't stocked with guys. That happens when you're successful. So. You know, for them to pull off a move, well, David Poyle wouldn't. Nothing he does would surprise me. Um, you know, I, I just don't see what they have that would appeal to a lot of teams that are looking to unload a rental guy or a contract for, for the you know just for the rest of the season. So, I don't expect a huge move, but you know that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, and and you talked about it. You know, we we mentioned this before. I think last week's podcast about how long is the window open that this team, as it's collected now, has a chance to win a Stanley Cup, and they're in a probably two to three more years this year and maybe two more before you're kind of rebuilding your roster doesn't mean you can't still be competitive but you've got the pieces on the ice right now pieces on the roster right now that can contend for a stanley cup we know that they've been to the finals uh they they were really good last year and, and got ousted a little early and and the question is I and mean, it's just like in baseball do you go pick up that left-handed pitcher rental player who can get you through the playoffs and win your world series or do you try to hold this together for a while and hope you can do it without bringing in that element? And that that's the questions that a guy like Boyle has to answer. Well, and if you look, I mean, you know, their, their top, line, top line scoring is is really good. And there's a huge drop-off after that. And But Colton Sissons is having a career year, um, you, you know, and even if he continues at that pace, I mean, I think he's already matched his career high in goals, and we're halfway, a little bit more than halfway through the season. Um, you know, But their, their need to me would be, you know, a top six scoring forward or, or centered and and you know but that's every team in the league so their their needs are not you know I think their holes are not as as obvious as a lot of other teams I think that that's the difference you know that's why I keep saying over and over this team is built for the postseason I think you know with the depth they have and you know the, the threats they have they don't have that they don't have the Patrick Kane or the you know the one guy who's who's gonna you know get you three points a night or whatever but they do have guys who were a number of guys who were capable of doing that so they don't rely on the one one or two guys they rely on a lot of guys and I, and I bring up Sissons you know he's a guy who's has had like I said he's having the best year of his career a lot of that some of that could have to do with some of the guys who were out before but he provides that depth and I think you know there's all they're always looking for help at the bottom of their defense I mean every it's again every team's looking for that they have the goaltenders, um, you know. They have the, the defensemen. They they have everything they need. And, and so I just don't know to make a big blockbuster move. You know that could have ill effects later on. You know in terms of this window being open. And I see the window being open until at least two thousand twenty. Yeah, and and whether you decide you you've really got what what it takes to win it all this year, or are you just that short. I, you know, I, th- I think you have to make a gamble at some point while the window's open if you if you can't win it without making that gamble. And, of course, you don't know if you can win it without making that gamble, but they haven't yet. Well, I mean, and it's not like they haven't done it before. I mean, you know, and it wasn't during a trade deadline, but they went out and got, you know, P.K. Subban and, and traded away Shea Weber, who was a franchise favorite. And, and speaking of P.K., I think tonight, and by the time you guys listen to this, it'll already have happened, but um, 
and I, I'm never afraid to say what I, what I don't know. And I wasn't really aware of this until this year that PK Subban and, and Roman Yossi haven't spent very much time on the ice together. They are um, good friends off the ice. They're locker neighbors. They're, they love to give each other crap. Um, but they just have not spent a lot of time together on the ice. And I think there are reasons for that. Or many on the surface, it seems like, hey, why don't you put your two best guys together? And that's the exact reason why you don't. They're both highly offensive defensemen. They both have a, a very similar game. Roman leads the team in, in shots attempted. I think last year, um, I think Roman was number one and PK might have been fourth. So you don't want to put two of the same guys on your top line necessarily. And I think number two, I, I equate it to – uh, going back to why Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves don't play together a lot. Why, why wouldn't you spread the wealth when you have that kind of wealth? Why would you put it all in one place? And I think, you know, it, it makes sense for those two guys. I, I think Shea Weber is going to probably, or I mean, not Shea Weber, Yannick Weber is going to come back um, t- Tuesday night. And I think, you know, I asked Lavi Lett about, you know, when, when PK first got here, Roman and PK played together a, a little bit and then it just stopped. Um, I asked Peter yesterday, if that's a possibility again going forward. And he surprisingly to me showed a little bit of his hand and said, yeah, we've talked about it. It's something that we're considering. And, and tonight on Tuesday night, they're, they're going to do it at least to start the game. I think a lot of it has to do with some of that has to do with injuries and, and kind of working Yannick back into the lineup. I don't think it's going to be a permanent thing, but it's going to, it certainly is a neat thing to could, see. Could that also be a slow start thing because they have played from behind more in the last uh, oh, month or so than they did and some of that was when they were injured, but some of that's when, they, when they've had most of their guys back. That very well could be. Like I said, yeah, you know, they're both offensive defensemen. They both like to shoot. And, you know, I had an interesting conversation. To, to transition into to a struggle that still remains is, is the team's power play. Um, you know, they're looking – and we were looking up a stat before, before we started recording. Um, the Predators, I think, have given up seven shorthanded goals this year and scored four or five. Um, I think they have 17 or 18 power play goals. They, they're not only has their power play struggled, but they have struggled on the other end to, to defensively on the power play, which is, you know, just kind of a weird thing when you look at when you look at the, the roster and the guys who are on these different power play units. But again, you know, the positive of that is they've been able to <clears throat> keep their heads above water in the standings and, and, and stay in the thick of the race, but. Putting those two guys together certainly could create um, some offense. And, and the biggest – I talked with Kevin McCarthy, one of the assistant coaches with the Predators. He's in charge of the power play. And and he said what everybody kind of sees, but it's nice to hear, is that he said, you know what, we, we we don't shoot enough. I mean, we don't we don't put enough pucks on the net. We try to get too fancy. We try to make the perfect pass and make the perfect play. And he told me that we should be doing the opposite. We should be throwing as many pucks as we can at the net – um, and talking with PK about the power play too, he, you know, his, his sense was we're not playing horribly. Yes, it's all about results, but he feels like their zone entries are good. He feels like everybody's uh, positioning is good and, and, and their routes are good. But when it gets to the end and everyone's just kind of standing or looking at each other and, and they just keep passing and passing. And then eventually what, what happens then, it, that leads to the shorthanded goals, that, you know, the turnover, a turnover here or there. And all of a sudden now you got a two on one breakaway going the other way. So, yeah, sometimes on the power play they look like to me like like ba- if you remember basketball before there was a shot clock and there were those teams that would say we're going to pass it 14 times before anybody's allowed to look at a shot like Bobby Knight was kind of like that. We're going to make X number of passes before we consider it unless it's a layup. And sometimes I know they don't probably have a number of passes in mind, but you and I have both seen them pass it around the horn, back up to the top, back around, back up to the top and and 
continually looking for a shot rather than, you know, guess what? The other goalie's not just going to abandon the net, and, and they're going to keep somebody in the middle and, and try to clog it up. Well, but good. but that's how you get the dirty goal is missing the first shot and getting the put back or the well, third try. And in, in, in the second part of that equation that also that Kevin McCarthy also mentioned and, and is very true and very obvious is they don't have a lot of net front presence. There's not a lot of there aren't a lot of guys on that team who for whatever reason um, I mean Arvidsson's a guy who's willing to get in front of the net and get knocked around um, and, and pays for it sometimes. Um, you know, but there aren't very, they don't have that guy who, who's willing to, you know, they have a bunch of shooters out there on the power play, but you have to have the guy out there who's willing to kind of, to kind of dig in there and, and get beat up a little bit and get that deflection what, what, or get that rebound or, or, you know, and, and, and that's been noticeable with them. And la- but the funny thing is they're using the same guys as they did last year, right? Like for most of their, most of the power play units are the same as last year. And last year they were pretty good on the power play. They were, you know, the 11th or 12th in the league, um, you know, so some of it's unlucky, but you know, it becomes it becomes an issue when I think they started the season over sixteen, which is a horrible start. But this is more than a trend now. This is a problem. <laughs> this is part of their personality. This is, I mean, if you're scouting them, that's something you note. Yeah, and and I think even more alarming than that is the number of shorthanded goals that they're allowing. It's one thing to not score on a power play. It's it's another thing to give up a goal when you should be scoring them. And, and that has come back to bite them several times. And, and again, we're picking at nits because this team, in my opinion, is still one of the best teams in hockey, right? So we're sitting here picking apart, you know, a part of the game that really ultimately hasn't cost them too much in the standings. But those are the kind of things that in the playoffs, which is the only season that, that should matter to them, um, those are the kind of things that are going to cost you against good teams. Yeah, and, and when you talk about that um, lack of a in front of the net presence, is, is that – the kind of piece that if you're looking to add for the playoffs before the trade deadline is, is that, are there players like that? What, that's a what, Wayne what, Simmons. What, that's what, a, <laughs> you know, what that's would a guy be known. Ever... Yeah. What would be known as a garbage man in basketball? You know, he's not going to go out and put up 36 points cause he's shooting jump shots, but he's going to get the tough rebound. He's going to keep ball, keep the puck alive. And he's going he's going to pay the price and, and he, and he gives you a physical presence. That's, that's exactly what, that's exactly what a Wayne, that's why Wayne Simmons is so, you know, his name keeps coming up over and over for every team, every trade rumor, every, you know, and you look at his numbers this year and they're not that great, but the, the intangibles, his toughness, his ability, his willingness to, to, to do those kinds of things are invaluable. Um, and I'm sure there's some metric to measure them. I, I don't profess to know what those metrics necessarily are, but I do know from you know just watching that uh, you know he's you got to be willing to go out there and and, and kind of get beat up a little bit so and, and pay the price and get those rebounds and get the, get the whatever the dirty greasy goals are you know how, however you want to say it but um, you know they they do have a lot of guys who are very good shooters they don't have a lot of guys who are who are necessarily that that, that garbage man. Right, and um, what they do have is, is an elite goalie who uh, you talked to about some some non hockey related things this week, and uh, we we uh, you recorded those, and we can listen to them now. First of all, if you weren't a hockey player, what would you be doing? Uh, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, ideally, something with uh, some some sports. I don't know. I'm not a much of a coach type. I don't think. Um, but uh, when I was a kid, my, my dad was, uh, um, he was uh, supervising like constructions, but also like, it was like more like a environmental building. Like uh, they, they would build like bridges and, um, you know, like 
the the ditch under the roads and things like that like you know like the man-made lakes things like that so it was like super like he was you know outdoors all the time and so that like when i was a kid that was my kind of my dream i'm like that's so cool like you just drive around stop at, stop at like gas stations to like crap a cup of coffee and uh, <laughs> and, a, and a whatever bagel and and then you know continue the next project and you know it was to me it was always pretty cool and uh, i i got i when i was younger I, I would in the summertime i would go with him and did you work with him yeah i did yeah and so it was i don't know what that title is called really but no, that's that's really interesting yeah. i wasn't aware of that um the last time you were starstruck when you met somebody um i mean I, I guess I guess happens quite a bit. Um, I mean, early on it was like with hockey all the time. You know, you get to like early in my career, like play against some of the some of the guys you you always looked up to. It's like it's it's pretty cool feeling. But by living here in Nashville, I mean, you get to you get to meet some of the country artists and and artists in, in general from different different genres different aspects of life and so but who would be like um like were you nervous who were you nervous around when you met, you met them? um i don't know i mean i mean i remember like first time i i shook hands with uh like wayne kretzky that was like i was like shaking but you know i think a lot of other guys would be doing that too uh, have you ever scored a goal no, I haven't. Uh, that's my dream. Not even in youth hockey, you never did. No, just in practices, <laughs> empty nets. <laughs> <laughs> who's the Who's your funniest teammate and why? Uh, depends on the, on the day. Sometimes uh, they get pretty annoying, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think Joey is pretty funny. Uh, There's a lot of funny guys. I mean, Joey wins. Yeah, Joey, Yo's, PK. Those are pretty like you know. Oh, Tony, Tony's. <laughs> yeah, for sure, Tony. I like, like. I mean, everybody has like a good sense of humor, though. Like some guys are like a little bit different types, more you know, louder, and some guys have like a dry sense of humor and sarcastic. And uh, but my absolute favorite is. Uh, Brock Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's exactly that. Yeah, that face like doesn't really reveal anything. It's just like, it's all hidden. Just a couple more. Have you ever been in a fight? Uh, just, just outside of the ice. Okay, we won't ask. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had a shoulder surgery. No, don't put that on. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the advice for me. Uh, I mean, uh, I mean, for hockey, I, you know, it's always been just the work. I, you know. I, I was never the most talented kid growing up, and 
you know, I, you know, it was my dad, my coaches, youth youth hockey coaches. They they were able to kind of install install in my bony head that you know, like, if you don't work, because I had I had some issues with that with my work ethic growing up. Like I, I quit I quit hockey for a summer, you know, because I didn't want to work out during the summer and things like that. And so it's uh, that's the that was the to me that was the biggest thing. Just like. Once you realize, it, like you start setting yourself goals, like setting goals for yourself, and uh, you gotta, you gotta absolutely work your hardest. And that's it happened to me a little, a little bit later when I was like 17, 18. And nowadays, I feel like kids are like pretty driven like early on. So, but that's probably my my advice. Thank you, Pecker. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and that's some interesting stuff there. Yeah, Pecco's um, always interesting and always gives you more than you bargain for when you talk to him. I guess it's it's still new to me a little bit, so I'm not surprised by it, but I certainly appreciate it. You know, one of the things he he, he says, you know, he's got a sense of humor. Uh, a lot of the guys on the team do, but he's he, I've, I've learned how his sense of humor works, and I've learned what not necessarily what buttons to push, but I've learned how to get it get it out of him. I think is maybe he's just a little more comfortable around me now, but. Um, you know, I found it f- interesting. I always find it interesting to hear about people's backgrounds and, and you know, him talking about his father, um, you know, being a supervisor for construction crews. And that's kind of what he wanted to wanted to do when he was growing up. He was fascinated by that kind of stuff. His dad built bridges and, and, you know, did a lot of things that, you know, I find interesting because all we ever hear about from these guys or about these guys, a lot, a lot of what we hear about is, is hockey. Um, I've always been a believer that I, I don't necessarily care about the hockey as much as I care about the people who play the hockey or the people who are play the baseball or, or whatever, because um, that's that's more interesting to me. But you know, the, what stood out to me was, and this was accidental when I when, when we were talking about, I had asked him about you know the best advice he received, and, and he basically, I mean, he, he told me a story about how he quit hockey once um, when he was a teenager because he was lazy. He didn't want to put the work in, and so he he took the summer off and and didn't want to do it, and he wasn't this elite prospect that, that was going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, and we've talked about – the reason I bring it up, Tom, is because something you noticed right away and something that I noticed right away too is that Pekka is always sweating. Pekka's always working hard. Even in practice, it's like a game to him. Um, oh, well, let me interject here. We were at practice uh, very recently at Centennial, and you know you would, you would watch them go like three-on three on goalie. It's just three guys you know, coming down, fast break, Taking shots with no defense, nothing to stop them, and they—they—he's in there for you know one after another after another groups of those, and they go ten or fifteen minutes in that period, and guess how many goals get past him? Zero. It's yeah. got to be discouraging. He practices are. Uh, we'll we'll peel back the curtain a little bit here. I mean, this job is, is it beats working for a living, but I can tell you one thing, and it's not just hockey. Going to watch practice can be just mind numbing because we do it a lot. Um, we, and nothing really ever happens. Um, but watching him practice is, and, and not just him, but there are other guys too, but but specifically him because you can see, right, right. he's the goal you see with the end result with him. Um, I should mention too that practice, yes, I think it was Monday. Yeah, there was a practice Monday. Um, we almost had a, so a couple of years ago before I got here, uh, a few years ago, um, I guess Roman Yossi and, and Craig Smith got into a fight. I believe it was Craig Smith got into a fight during practice. And if I'm wrong on that, I know it was Roman and somebody. Um, two guys who are not known. I blame to, Roman, but to, I don't know anything about it. To be, to be, two guys not known to be fighters. Well, yesterday, during Monday during practice, Kevin Fiala 
and Victor Arvidsson were about to come to blows during practice. And is a look, you say what you want. I'm not being terse here, but when you cover practice a lot and you cover morning skates a lot, when you see something like that, it's wildly entertaining. Uh, PK Subban ended up breaking it up. They didn't throw any punches, but here are two guys, the two of the smallest guys on the team, um, getting ready to go. And that's how, but that's how intense the practice was. I mean, it was, you know, I think Fiala had slashed Arvidsson and Arvidsson didn't like it. And, and that's the other thing I can tell you too about this team is they, when they practice, um, it, there, there's intensity there. It's not, you know, we, we talk about practicing on the, yesterday was a power play practice and they spent almost a whole entire practice on the power play and there were tempers flaring, um, which to me is a good thing. You know, and I've talked to some guys about that and they all, you know, they all say the same thing. It's, it's a very good thing to see some emotion like that. You don't want to hurt your own teammate. Um, it's not ideal to get into a fight with your own teammate, but I think, you know, it's not the act of the fighting. It's it's the spirit behind why you're doing it. Um, and, and it shows that they, you know, look, their power play is horrible. It's not like they don't want it to be better. Right. And and you also, while you don't want to hurt anybody and, and tempers do flare and everything, you also want to compete with your teammate in practice. You want to, you're not there to cooperate with them because you're trying to practice your defense and they're trying to practice their goal scoring or whatever it is, you know, and that's what we're circling back to Pekka is he's, he's not out there to make you feel better if you're shooting a hockey puck and if you can shoot it perfectly and he can snatch it away. And, and I've just seen guys shaking their heads, you know, skating away. Like, yeah, what else, what else can you do there? Yeah. You know, he, there's no, the, the drum has been beaten and, and it never gets old is that without him, this team is, is nowhere near what it is. And at 36 years old for him to be doing it is, is remarkable. But, you know, his his honesty, it's just – it's it's refreshing to me. Uh, he's, he's – I was – I'm writing a story today for, for later this week just about, you know, he got pulled out of a game the other day after playing – he played back-to-back, uh, which is a rarity lately. He did it early in his career a lot. But played back-to-back, never complained. I, t- I You know, then he played on, on two, two or three days later and got pulled, gave up five goals. Um, and – will always blame himself every single time. You know, he, he he's never going to point a finger, even if it's, you know, I'll point the finger and say a lot of those are his defense's fault. But he would never, you know, he, he would never do that. But, you know, it just it shows you that, you know, UC was sick for a couple of days. You know, Peck is 36. He's playing back-to-back games. Look, these guys get paid a lot of money. I get it. You know, and, and, and oh, well, let's feel sorry for the guy who has to play two games in a row, boo-hoo. And, and I understand that perspective, too. But if you understand from a goalie's perspective physically the toll that one game takes on a goalie um and i've talked i touched on this before pekka i asked i specifically asked him because i've asked other goalies about it um, pekka says he loses about five or six pounds a game right so you, you when you're playing three or four times a week and you, you know that's if you can imagine losing 20 pounds a week well you have to lose that I 20 I pounds do that i'm gonna but, need to play goalie but 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 put him back on Right, because yeah, you have well, to put them back on pretty I'd probably much. Probably do that too. Pretty pretty much immediately. I have no problem putting it back on. It's the losing part that's. But physically, what I'm what I'm saying is that physically, it's almost it's not impossible, but it's not real great for a goalie to play back to back nights physically, just from his physical health standpoint. And recovery time, as you as you can probably imagine, gets a lot longer when you get older. So, you know, again, I get it. These guys make a lot of money. Boo hoo! They play two games in a row, but. I just want. I just like to offer a little bit of an insight in terms of maybe why you know why and how it all works. Money aside, and and, and, and you know all that aside, um, when you're physically unable to perform, I don't care how much money you get paid. You know, it, it, the physical challenges of a job can be you know they can be a deterrent. So 
Um, again, we talk we talk about him a lot, and for good, for good reason. But uh, tonight, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing Roman and PK play together. That's, that should be an interesting uh, aspect of it because when when you cover a team like you do every day, and you see game after game after game, little variances like that are are interesting to watch. Even in the short time I've been out there, to see you know you know just when they started getting some guys back to see what this team could be like offensively. Cause I didn't have that to compare it to um, the, the speed on the ice now um, is, is a lot different than what it was. It is. And, and I think, you know, again, there's a lot of, they got some big games coming up and then they're going to have another break. So I think that that works to their advantage. Um, as the trade deadline gets closer, I, I plan to, you know, not that I'm going to find out any state secrets, but I do plan to sit down with David Poyle at some point and, and kind of try to get a feel for, for, you know, again, for what he might be looking to do or where, 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 take the temperature of what he thinks the team is. And I, I did this a couple months ago or a month or so ago when everybody was hurt. I, you know, one of my first questions to him was, you know, when do you consider making a move? These guys are out long term. You know, how, when do you start worrying about losing the season? Do I, should I make a move now? Um, you know, and, and try to get in his pick his brain a little bit because he's he's been you know he's been a successful general manager. He's he's made the most trades in NHL history, so of any GM. So you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But again, I I just I have a hard time making sense of it. Yeah, and if if anybody knows what they're doing, I would I would think that he does. But it's still a fine art of of when to know you know when to make that trade. And quite frankly. Not only is there a window, whatever that is, for for the Preds with their current lineup to contend for and maybe win a, a Stanley Cup, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup, and and and, and not with he, the Predators, no, right, and and that is his goal to to bring a Stanley Cup to Nashville. He stated that openly. I mean, he feels like that's the job here, which is what it should be, and that it's reachable. And so I think I wouldn't be surprised if he got aggressive. I'm, I'm interested to see. If he decides to hold his cards or if he's willing to leverage a little bit or a lot of the future against a run this year. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see because I'm don't. i not into the speculation. Like I said, I, I, look, I have my, my opinions and, and things, but, you know, that's, that's all just noise. Um, it's entertainment. I get it. Um, but, you know. Well, darn it, I'm going to make up some trade rumors next next podcast. All right. Well, we'll, we'll have to work on that. We'll make up some trade rumors. Well, you will, and I'll just <laughs> nod. Well, I think uh, we've covered enough territory for one catfish corner. Um, We'll be back talking about trades next week when uh, the Predators have made several of them or not.